Oklahoma, would you say Oklahoma is the quote unquote South? That is an interesting. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of view it in that same bucket of countries that are like Southern. It's the same type of people. Um, people who are like from the South will say, no, Oklahoma's not from, that's not the South. And like technically, right. which I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, I, I don't even know, like it's a part of the Plains region. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're from Oklahoma, like, if you, if you live in Oklahoma, that the people there are the same that are sort of like in Texas or the same, they're sort of in, well, I guess, I don't know. I, I, I can't, I couldn't say if they're the same as in Alabama. I just assume so. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I always expect when people... Are from Oklahoma or from anywhere, I expect accents that yeah. I'm going to be like, that's a Southerner. And the, the older I get, the more I realize how ignorant I am. Like, I, I was ignorant about San Diego. I thought San Diego was Florida West. Yeah. I thought that, oh, you know, Florida is our Southern warm place on the East Coast. Yeah. San Diego is like, it's just like Florida, but it's on the West Coast. Yeah. It's like, no, it's not. It's completely different. There's no yeah. humidity. There's four different climates here. There's mountains. It's not flat. It's yeah. like, and when I got here, I was like, I mean, I love it. I'm happy I landed here, but I can't. I couldn't believe that all this time. I'm I'm a full grown adult now. I'm 35 years old. I'm moving to San Diego, and I'm like, how did I not realize that that like that this is a different place? Yeah. And so, and now even I hear like when you said you were from Oklahoma, my mind popped. I was like, I don't hear an accent. You don't <laughs> strike me as the type of person I would expect from Oklahoma. Yeah. And that and then that made me think of like the election was it this week or like last i think it was this week that just passed they had an election in oklahoma right i don't, I don't know was it, was it kentucky no it was kentucky kentucky had a yeah i know they had a big one maybe it was kentucky that i'm thinking yeah but i heard somebody speaking from kentucky and same thing i felt like they don't sound like they're from the south yeah and then i'm starting to think wait a second why do i think all these places are in the south and it's because i'm a stupid new yorker who just thinks that <laughs> like everything virginia south or even west is just the south yeah yeah they definitely have their uh, this distinct cultures for sure that that separates them but um it like but it it, it is i still kind of put it under that umbrella because you know it is conservative mm-hmm. it's religious it's it's bible belt ish for the most part um but it's but it's also pretty it's it's sort of diverse um you know there's uh, I mean, you have Native Americans, Hispanic people like like my family. Um, you know, it's it's not all just uh, what you think it is. But in another vein, you won't be surprised if you run into somebody who does have a thick accent. Like, okay, that makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, and it's funny because yeah, I don't think I have an accent either. But my girlfriend thinks that I do. Really? Um, or with certain words. So uh, certain words I, I'll say, and she's like, God, that's that's so Oklahoma. My New York words come out every now and again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've I've heard it. Sure. Yeah, just on the recording of my podcast for sure. Um but yeah, yeah, Oklahoma's um a very unique place. I always say that I sort I guess I appreciate growing up there. It's it's a fine place to grow up. I have nothing to, to compare it to. Um is your family still there? Yeah, my my parents are still there. Uh, a lot of my relatives are mostly there. Um my brothers in Tulsa now. Um so I I go back at least at least once a year now for for at least christmas um but it's uh you know it's an old, always have a special place in my heart very flat a lot of a lot of uh beautiful sky yeah I, I, I really like the sky there and i really miss thunderstorms um, yeah. yeah yeah that's what i remember about florida as a kid was like it felt like like the sky was so big when we would go down there as kids and because yeah. new york there's buildings everywhere yeah um so how'd you get out to San Diego? You were in LA, right? So yeah, so after Oklahoma, I went to Houston, um, worked, or uh, yeah, lived there, worked there for five years, and uh, kind of bounced around jobs. Um, I got fired. I've been fired a lot. <laughs> Not a lot, but <laughs> I've been fired like three times in my life, you know, uh, which is I think is a lot. But uh, it's because I've I've never liked just general like just work like or not sure. just work like, these jobs like these office jobs that i have like they don't stimulate me and so i give half half ass efforts on the other hand too um up until i was like 29 30 i was suffering from depression and never got any treatment mm-hmm. so around it wasn't until i moved to la when i first saw a psychiatrist and got on some medication mm-hmm. so since then i've never haven't been fired <laughs> So that that probably plays a part, but um, anyway, so I was I was working in Houston and um, and like 
bouncing around jobs, but I, I I also started doing film stuff, which I started doing film stuff in college, like making short films. Um, and then in Houston, I, I picked that back up. I, I like just sought out, um, something artistic. And, uh, and so like, I essentially did like a Google search of like, are there any films being shot in Houston? And there was like this indie feature film being shot. And so I, I kept emailing the, the people that like the director, or other people and like, Hey, can I like, I want to work on your set. Like I'll do it for free. I'll just, I'll do anything. I just want to be on the set. And they finally got back to me and was like, Oh yeah, you can be a PA, just some production assistant. So I worked on this film for like a month. Um, I quit my job that I had, uh, and to, to do this. And, um, that kind of got me into like into the Houston indie film scene. And, um, anyway, so I was kind of writing and making short films and, and, uh, I ended up, I wrote and directed a feature film down there in, in Houston and thought the next, the next step was LA. Mm. Um, so at that time I had a job, which I still have now, uh, where I travel. And so, essentially we can work from any major city that has an airport. So I was able to transfer out to LA, keep my job. And, um, and so, yeah, I went to LA looking to write and become a screenwriter and, and do all that stuff. What year is that? This was in 2013. Okay. 14. Yeah. Maybe. So right around when I came to San Diego, you were headed to LA. I was, I was, I came here uh, April thir- 2013. Yeah. 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 I think it was 2014 actually. So yeah. about yeah, a year later. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, and how'd you get down here? So when I was in LA, I didn't do any things I was, I had my mind on. I, I didn't write. I was traveling a lot for work and discovered Tinder. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and so this was kind of a perfect storm of like, I started to dip my foot in online dating. I started to get tr- treatment for my depression. And so like, um, started dating a lot, which I had for the previous decade had pretty much done almost none of it. Mm-hmm. Um, just due to being depressed and just being, you know, a, a emo kid at heart. Sure. Um, uh, and so, yeah, so I, I started dating a lot and, um, I was on Bumble and Tinder, all these different dating apps. And I met my girlfriend on Bumble in LA. Um, so yeah, yeah, I was just, she was just, uh, just, uh, just another girl that I just, uh, you know, found attractive and we, we met up and, but, um, for some reason there was just something different about her. Mm -hmm. Uh, and like, I, I, we both kind of felt this thing of like, Oh yeah, like I like you. And, and like, we hung out like for like five days in a row, which was odd for, for me and for her, I think. And she was just, um, she had just graduated law school, actually. Mm. Um, so. She's a lawyer now? Yeah, she's a lawyer. Cool. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So, I met her and uh, she gra- she just graduated and she had a job offer uh, that was going to take her to El Paso, Texas. Um, and so, she moved and I, we were going to do long distance, didn't work. So, I just moved out there. Oh, and nice. th- th- with the same job. Um that I have. So I, again, luckily I was able to, to keep my job and move there. And so I moved there for about a year and a half until her stint was done. And then she got another job offer in San Diego. And so now we're here and, oh, okay. and she's, she's from here actually from San Diego. So, um, we're probably not going to move again. Cool. For the foreseeable future. Talk to me about, uh, online dating. Cause that was like, I missed that. Yeah. I, 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 got married before there was online dating mm-hmm. and i think now like i just i wonder i, I remember when it did, like came out it was like kind of a taboo thing yeah. and then it became the norm yeah and and now i still have because i never did it i still have the old-fashioned mentality of it still seems taboo when it's really not anymore mm-hmm. and like what's what was your experience with that like does yeah. it does it I'll tell you what I what I assume is that for me it feels like I I get really worried about the ease of the I don't even know how it works I'm just going to say the the swiping yeah. thing like it it feels to me like like there's something about when you meet somebody that they have you like something about them there's something that attracts you right and because 
standing behind them isn't somebody isn't another option. You can't you you don't just say to yourself, um, well, I'm really attracted to you, but your hair is not exactly how I would like it. So I'm gonna look at the one behind you now. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you're in front of me, there's nobody else behind you. Your hair is not exactly what I thought it was gonna be, but I'm really attracted to you and you're super nice. So I'm gonna look past that and I'm gonna keep going deeper into who you are. Yeah. And it feels to me like it could very, and I don't know if it's like this because I have never done this, but it feels like it could be a slippery slope into always thinking there's something better after the next swipe. I don't know. Does that happen? Not exactly in that way, okay. but there is this a, a thing of um, there. There is a thing of like there might be something even better out there besides you, but it's not because. Like, I never had the experience of like, well, you're not a 10 out of 10 in checking every box that I have. So I'm going to, it's not that, it's like, you're great, you're attractive, like, I'm. this is fun. But since I've been swiping, like, and like, well, like with the Tinder and uh, the the apps, like like Tinder and, and um, Bumble, and there's several more now that mm-hmm. I'm, that passed me because I'm, I've been off of them. But right. um, there's like a little, just a little dopamine rush whenever you get a match. Yeah. So, so like when you swipe because you think they're attractive, and they have also swiped you, and there's a match. There's like a little, like yeah, like a little rush that you get. Sure. So you sort of get addicted to that thing, and like, and just your basic FOMO or, or not FOMO, but like um, your basic like, this is great, but there's there might be something even better out there. Like yeah. you get addicted to just the the ding the match and yeah. and the idea of the grass is greener like right, this yeah. is this is fun okay this is fun for 2 weeks it's getting less fun and there could be something even more fun out there yeah that's so there's definitely that aspect to it for sure um because yeah i, I experienced it it's 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 on your phone so it's like almost like a like a, another game right right yeah um but there all there are, there's also positives because I I I do believe in like I don't know if I were to have a, a son or daughter like I would want them to sort of not like treat it like a game but like it's okay to date around or to date people to kind of figure out what you want and what you like and like figure out what dating is and like almost like anything it's almost like practice you just you got to practice this thing called dating and practice the, like how to be with another person and and um like at this is just a, another avenue to kind of bring that to you for and this was a godsend to me like because at, at first it was like okay cupid which is like a, a website you go to right. so it wasn't so much swiping as like you go out you, you build your profile you message other people and just hope that they like you right. and they message back um and then it's it's evolved to this thing where it's just literally just swiping and mm-hmm. and it's based off a track. But it was sort of a godsend to me because I was horrible at meeting people in real life and flirting or like taking a risk and like asking someone out. I just never did it mm-hmm. unless I was drunk, right? Which was like, well, that's not a good way to meet somebody <laughs> when you're wasted. Um, so it was really good for me of like. Because I was a good writer, and um, you know, like this is like a, a, a less scary way to approach somebody. Like I, I will just send them a message, and I'll, I'll put some thought into it. And this is somebody I read their profile. Like I'm into their interests. This was back when like it was OK Cupid, right. and not Tinder. You know, um, I can read something about them and and see if like you know I I not just find them physically attractive, but you know, there's like what's a, what's the personality like. Um, so it was a lot of fun. Um and um yeah, and then again now it's the 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 apps are a little different because there's less I mean you still have a bio, but it is you're basically just doing off pictures. Right. Um but I mean But you found somebody. I found somebody. How yeah. long have you been together? We've been together for over four years. Wow, that's great. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what that's what I I like hearing that because that kind of gives me hope that uh, it's not all. Number one, it's not all superficial, and number two, it's not like reprogramming our society to be uh, more shallow. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Like I know my my brother is getting married. My one of my stepbrothers, he's getting married and they met online mm-hmm. and um I I I see so many more like I I'm pretty sure Kat and Sean, they met online. Mm-hmm. It's like 
that they're married now. And it's like, so I'm starting to see now years after the, the positive stories, like the success yeah. stories that it's like, all right, that, that's, that's reassuring. I, yeah. And again, having kids, that's kind of where my fear, it's like, obviously it's not for me. I'm married. And, and even honestly, even if something ever happened to my wife or if like for whatever reason got divorced or she died and I was found myself back in the dating pool, I don't know if I would go, I, I, I probably would at least start off with, trying to meet people mm-hmm. and then I might dip my toes into it. But for me, I reflect on it more as like for my kids, like are they going to like, is their first experiences with dating as teenagers going to be immediately that, or are they going like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to see technology reprogram them and reprogram them into something that's more shallow. And it's just, it's inspiring to see that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think so far at, at the end of the day, like even the the one like Tinder where it's like as little information about the personality as you can get, it's just a, their picture <laughs> and little a couple of sentences. You're still like when you meet somebody out in the world, like when you when you met your wife, you saw you saw her at the party, like you, yeah, you 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 had a conversation, but like you still see them, sure, and like you still have to be attracted to them physically. Definitely, that, that's a huge part of all. They're just we're still animals at heart, and like yeah, right. th- there's a physical attraction. So, um. That's still there with just the swiping. Yeah, like you, you have to find them attractive in the first place. But then after that, you have to talk, you message. Yeah. And there's, I'm, I'm sure like over 50% of the, the matches, like nothing, probably ex- over 70%, nothing comes from them because like a girl will match with a guy, she'll think is cute, but then you, she starts talking to him like, oh, this guy's either he's dumb or he's an aggressive asshole or uh, he's like yeah. a piece of shit, you know? So you still have to like, talk to them and then you sure. and then you, maybe you meet and then when you meet you still have to you know actually talk to each other over something and it's it's um there's still that whole part of the relationship right. that that there's legwork to be done and there's there's filters and there's there's still things it's just the initial meeting is a, just a lot easier now yeah 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 that's it's interesting it's i don't know i guess we're all just kind of like uh we're all in some way a little adverse to new, new things, the, di- yes. the different way of doing things. Like I like it when, when people, I just saw something the other day, somebody pissing and moaning about like their kids learning new math. And I'm like, that's just cause it's not the way that you learned it. <laughs> yeah. Relax. You know, my son, the other day I asked him some math question and I saw him go, go into his head and start doing something up there. I don't know what he was doing. And I, it was something, it was like, I was trying to get him to figure out something on how many, like there are 52 weeks in a year and how many of whatever would there be in a hundred. And it was, for me, it was like, well, just if it's like, if it's two years, just 50 times 50 is a hundred. It's two extra weeks. So it's 104. And like, that's how I was doing the math. Yeah. He was doing it in a completely different way. Yeah. But it was working for him. Yeah. And I thought how ignorant of me to be like, hey, you're doing it the wrong way because right. that's not the way I learned it 30 years ago. Yeah. And you see so much of that, like this this, yeah. this like fear of new ways of doing things because we're so locked into it. And um, I think like all technology does that to me. Yeah. But I'm a sucker to it also. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm always tapped into the damn phone. Yeah. No, I, I travel a lot for my job and for like the first at least year of like, I, I used to fly a lot and I would still print out my boarding pass and I didn't want to like have it on my phone. Right. I wanted the paper. And then like a- after a while, I was like, just, just do it on your phone. Like stop being like, I, I was being like an old person, like uh, just a, like I, I would do it the old fashioned way. I still want to do it on paper. And me too. And um, I've, I since stopped, I, I do it on my phone now, but I recognize that fear of like, I just don't trust it quite enough yet. What if you my know? phone doesn't work? Yeah, what if yeah, yeah. It, it, it dies yeah. and I can't find a plug anywhere to charge it? Yeah. Which, you know, never happens. Yeah. You always figure it out. Yeah, yeah. What do you do? You said you mentioned that your job, you travel around. Oh, yeah. I, um, I'm a software specialist or consultant. I, I do software implementation. So my company makes software for auto dealerships. Oh. Um, so, they yeah, they use the my our software to run their dealership, do the accounting, the sales, the service, right. All that stuff. So, um, essentially I travel to the dealerships and implement it and train them how to use it. Nice. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, you know, at this point I've been doing it for over six years, so it's pretty routine. You know, I don't see a lot of new stuff and, um, 
and uh, mostly I'm bored. What do you want to do? I don't know, man. Like that's such. I've I've been asking myself that for like the last I don't know how many years, and have googled like grad grad school, just different departments, like different degrees I could get, and like what career I want to do, and I just. I don't know what career I want to do, um, and I'm sort of I feel stuck, mm. like because I have a lot of it. I, I and I've been reading like I've been in a, the last few years like in a mode of learning, and I'm reading a lot of nonfiction and different subjects. And and you know, at certain points in the past, like three years, I've wanted to do like be a psychologist, be a sociologist, be an ec- uh, economist, uh, be a history professor. I've wanted to like. Um, you know, go pick up writing again and just do like creative writing, um, uh, be a physical therapist or occupational. Like I've, I've, my mind goes down this, all these different paths and, um, you know, I'm afraid to pick one because it's like, what if it's the wrong one? Mm-hmm. And then like, I have to like sink in like a, a few years and, and, and some money if I can, you know, to go, to go back to school or to sure. do whatever. And, and so I'm, I'm sort of at a, just a big crossroads and I just don't know. Do you ever ask yourself like why you want to do those things? Like when something pops up like psychology or uh, speech pathology, whatever, whatever the ideas are, like do you ever like dissect it down and be like, well, why, what is it about this thing that even makes me interested in it? Like is, and, and then the, the reason I ask the question is like, do you find any like through line through those things that it's like, well, I don't know why I want to do this, but it comes back to helping people every time, or it comes back to uh, deep thought, or it comes back to something like. Yeah, pretty much. So there's a, there's like two main threads, I think. One is helping people for sure. So, um, or Im- improving. So I think improving the world or improving people's lives is sort of what it comes down to. So mm-hmm. whenever I think of like sociology. I think like I would love to do research on uh, several topics just to improve the like the, the way that we do things like I would love for people to be able to make better decisions I would love like for people to be able to, to like have the whole political process just be easier and with better results and what was like the, polit- the political process Yeah yeah gotcha. I, I, po- politics has been a thing in my it's like yeah, yeah it's like and so it's like, okay, I'm interested in how people think and like why they make decisions. And I guess the reason why is because I want to help to improve that. Like I I want to improve the way people think and make decisions so that they can make better political decisions so that life would be easier for everybody. Or like with, um, you know, like a physical therapist, like I just want to help. Like I just, people have problems. I want to help them. I want to help them feel better. I want to help them like live their life better. And so it's one of those two things, but mostly about improvement, either on a micro level of like just improving one-to-one or like people or on a macro level, like I want to like improve the planet. Like, you know, I want to bring the sense of understanding and awareness to people that, that we just live our lives better with less suffering and and more just, just better living, more quality of life. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, the reason I ask is because like sometimes that's where it's hidden. You know, it's like yeah. that's where we got to look is is like read between the lines. Like what like all these things for me, it was like these things kept popping up in my life, and I I, I had to figure out like where, where's the how do I connect these dots? Yeah. What is it that I'm really looking to do here? You know, um, and sometimes and then sometimes like you said it could be an investment, right? It's like, what happens? It's like, for me, I go to law school and I don't be a lawyer anymore. Well, it's a lot of money to do something like that. You want to help people with like, and let's say you go back and you get a master's in sociology and you're like, oh, and I wonder if like, there are ways that like you could find, like find that, like for me, I like to help people too, but I could go to med school and become a doctor to help people, which will help people, but I don't really want to do that. I already did that. I went to law school to try to help people. And I, I was, I, I realized, I don't know if I went to law school to help people, but it was definitely part of being a lawyer. I did like that. I did like being able to help people, mm-hmm. but the why like is like the subconscious of the thing. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, maybe I can achieve that. Why without having to walk the path that society's telling me to walk. Right. Right. Um, 
I don't know for what it's worth. Maybe there's like, like maybe you can do a lot of good stuff to help people without having to make a radical shift, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I suppose you're doing it already with this podcast, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. bringing people together, bringing community together, um, showing uh, people that the, the depth of what's, of what a person's story is more than just the superficial, I, I pass you at a theater, right? I already think that improv does that for us. Theater gives us that opportunity to, to connect with so many people, but then you're taking it to another level and who knows, maybe there's something there, but I, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, what do you see in like the next five years? You said you don't think you'd be leaving San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, and you asked me a whole bunch of questions about like family and stuff like yeah. that. Do you think, uh, that's in the cards for you or do you think, uh, is it like got to get the job thing locked down first? Got to Like, are, are there like other steps involved? There, there's not really other steps other than me coming to grips and accepting like all the fears that I had and reservations that I have about, uh, having children mm-hmm. and then just doing it. Um, because my girlfriend's ready. She's like she 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 she'll have a kid tomorrow if if I'm down. Yeah, and um, and so you know I I'm trying I'm I am looking for other jobs just so I can um, travel less because I I definitely if I do if I do start a family I want to not travel, um, but uh, I think just accepting yeah and I same thing with marriage too like I I have these I I, I kind of think back of like did I always want kids or want to get married and I don't think I did and maybe that's not why that's or that's why I'm not jumping at the, the chance now um but um I think just coming I just getting myself to the point where it's like getting over all my fears and like doing it you know because sure. my girlfriend wants to get married she wants to have kids and um you know and I love her and like I don't want to not be with her and children, I'm I'm back and forth, but I I think yeah. So I think just getting myself to the point of of accepting it, and then I can see myself having children in the next um the next few years for sure. Um, other than that, I don't I don't know what's going to happen with my life. Kids are weird because they give you like a like a they they kind of like pull the gravity of your life in a different direction, and I. Uh, like the things that you do are no longer just for yourself. And that's, there's, there is a part of having to let go of that, but there's also, it's nice kind of, it's mm-hmm. nice. It's nice when you feel like this, almost like, like this, uh, like this, uh, I'm going to say obligation, but it's more like an, uh, like a, like a, a natural obligation to do good for them. And it's like, Oh, okay. Like I didn't grow up thinking to myself, I want to be a, I want to clean rain gutters, mm-hmm. right? But there's a a real like core satisfaction in feeling like I can get dirty and I can provide. I can like I can I can overcome a fear that other people have to make money to give these kids opportunities. Mm-hmm. And and that's not a dream that you have. That's not necessarily a dream that you have when you're growing up let's say like you think i want to be a doctor i want to be a lawyer i want to be an astronaut i want to be this nobody says i don't think many people say like i want to grow up to clean rain gutters so i could support a family of three yeah but the satisfaction of that when you're actually when you find yourself there yeah is wonderful yeah i mean it really is um but i get it and i don't think it's something to go into lightly either i think it's like you gotta it's gotta be right for you yeah yeah i don't have it at all and yeah i'm 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 inching closer, and um, yeah, it's it's funny um, talking about like you know, you know, no one thinks you know when they're younger I want to be doing this or that, and when they, where they find themselves, and I, I understand the value in teaching children. You know, think about something that you want to do. You know, to to start preparing yourself and to like to teach them that you can accomplish this or that. But like f- for some people, like I think for me, or, or maybe there's parts of that that's it's like a bad way, it's like a bad philosophy, or it's like a bad, I don't know, like being something isn't the be all end all. No, like, you know, and but as Americans, for sure, like in in this day and age, like we tie so much of our identity to our jobs, our careers, oh yeah, and like and about being something and accomplishing things instead of just 
being in the Zen sort of sense, sure. you know? Um, and I, I just, I question so much and I, I don't have answers, but, um, and like, I, yeah, so I, I even question that of like, uh, I, I keep trying to think about, you know, what I want to be. Why, why can't I just choose something to do? Right. Right. Like you're saying, like, just find the why and maybe you can find a way to do that and stop worrying about trying to be something and just do something and maybe you'll find satisfaction. Yeah. I think it helps to get those labels removed, yeah. you know, because it's like, I don't, uh, I certainly don't think of myself as a rain gutter cleaner. Yeah. I don't really think of myself as any, like even improv, improv I consider myself an, an improviser, but like, I don't know. I'm sure if I presented that to somebody else, they would be like, no, you don't make enough money in improv to be considered an improviser, right? It's like, you're right. So many people, like so much of society says, well, you are what you get paid for. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of bullshit. I don't really like, I'm a runner. I'm, uh, I'm a dad. I'm like, I'm, uh, I'm the guy who brings the shopping cart back to the shopping cart place after i load my groceries into my car like there's a lot of things that make up who i am yeah and uh, to define it by just what you're doing as a living seems silly that's why yeah that's why i say like that why you know it it feels super important Mm -hmm. uh you asked me this question i'm gonna ask you were you doing any artistic stuff before you found improv at all did you you did you did film stuff right yeah that's why you went there so um i um, the first artistic thing that I did was around age 14, I um, started playing guitar. Oh. Um, and so, yeah, I, uh, I, f- I saw a kid in a C- CCD class, mm-hmm. like, um, so like the little, the, the Catholic cate- catechism, kind of like Bible study, whatever. Sure. Um, we had like our end of a year thing at like our teacher's house. And so it was like a little party. And this kid, like 13 years old, like brought his acoustic guitar and he was playing music on it. And he's like playing like Inner Sandman from Metallica and wow. like playing like Nirvana. And I was so blown away. Like, how? Like, how does this kid who's my age, how is he playing these songs that I'd like hear on the radio? Like, this is, they blew my mind for some reason that he could do that. And so I was like, I want to do that. And so, yeah, so, uh, yeah, around 14, my, my parents, um, they bought me a guitar and taught myself how to play. And I still play to this day. That's and, great. Uh, yeah, I, so that was the first artistic thing that I did. And then later on in college is when I started doing film stuff. Nice. Yeah. Uh, when you play guitar, you ever do it in front of an audience? Uh, I not, not so much anymore. So I had, like, this weird... I had like this, it's, it feels weird to call it a traumatic event. I mean, it, it was just a bad day of like, so like I did and like I wanted to and like I wanted to like, you know, when I was a teenager, I wanted to be like a rock star, all that shit. Um, but like I played in the talent show in front of the school and I had a drummer with me and like my budding guitar. It's a long story, but basically we 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 effed up big time. The drummer really messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I did my part fine, but the drummer like really really messed up, and um and like so our performance was just tanked because of that, and so it was just like very embarrassing thing to happen in front of the school and like my parents mm-hmm. and like I took it to heart like I'm sure everyone was just like yeah you fucked up or whatever but right. like I took it really really badly, and um so since then I've had a really tough time playing in front of people and haven't really. That hasn't been something I pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, I just play at home by myself. But um, yeah, so I I would like to like get over. Like I think I'm over that, but like I just haven't done it. I have. I just never. I never play in front of people. It's not a thing that just happens naturally. So, um, but it would like. I would like to like play in front of people. Like I don't know. Maybe I should try to play at a coffee shop or something just to like get over that or see if I'm really over that traumatic event do you improvise comedy in front of other people that's true any any uh like not overlap but any of that uh those feelings that trauma from that any of that bleed into your improv experience not really um i oddly enough like i I guess when i first started i was getting nervous um and so maybe there was a little bit overlap but i've done it enough now where i i don't really get any of that blockage um, but it is a little different because, um, well, obviously you're with the team of people, you sure. know, um, unless you're doing a duo, but like, um, I think with like a guitar and singing, I, in my own mind, it's different because like, 
I don't know. It's like a, almost like an innate talent that you're putting on display with with music, rather than like doing this thing that's more of a performance, which is made up. And I, I somehow in my brain, I, I view it as I view it differently. Yeah, I know. I get it. Yeah. I started taking piano lessons again recently, and my um, I cannot like I can play the songs like my repertoire i could play when i'm by myself when i have my headphones on and it's fluid but i can't even put the microphone to record it yeah without it falling apart yeah and i'll I'll specifically bring my wife in i'll be like hey just listen to this i think i got this and i could play it and then i play it in front of her and it falls apart yeah and um my piano teacher i was telling her this and she goes do you know about quantum physics and i was like I love quantum physics. <laughs> I yeah. love, I don't understand it, yeah. but I love reading about it. I love hearing people talk about it. And she brought up the whole idea of like, when things are observed, they change. And she's like, you're being observed, so you change. And it's just a natural law of physics that you're going to change. So just the idea is don't give yourself a hard time. Just understand that that's going to happen. And then that frees you up to to keep doing it and not let it hold you back from doing it. And I'm still not, I can't perform in front of people. I can't like, I'm not, I'm not good enough to do that yet. Um, but I'm trying to record myself more, yeah. right. To try, like just immerse myself, put myself into the shit and try to figure it out. Um, but yeah, it's, but, in, but improv is different. It does feel different than music. Cause it feels like you have to play. And I also, I haven't improvised music, but, Music feels like you have to do it right. Yes. And improv feels like you can do it wrong and still make it right. That is very true. Yeah, that that's what it is. Yeah, because like with music, there's mathematics behind it. And there's things where if you're playing a scale or something, you're playing notes, one note follows the other note that makes sense. Whereas if you play a different note, it doesn't make sense. Right. And everyone who doesn't even, has never played an instrument in their life will hear it and notice it. It's innate that they notice that it's wrong. Right. And so, yeah, so there is a, a thing where like you do have to sort of do it perfect um, and like on key, you know, for it to just sound like right. Yeah. And then once, that's like half of it. And the other half is like, okay, now you, you're, you're singing the right notes. Can you sing them well? Like yeah. how strong is your voice? You know, like, can you, yeah. And so, yeah, whereas improv is like, yeah, there, there is no, it, it can be imperfect and it can be, and you can make up for things and, and yeah. Can you improvise with music at all? Not really. Um, I've never really tried, like, you know, I've, I've written song, like I write songs, which mm-hmm. in itself is sort of improv- improvising or making up a whole new thing. Um, so I've I can write a song, um, but I haven't played enough with other people to where like we're jamming and I have to improvise something. Yeah. You know, I've done that a little bit and can sort of do it, but um, I'm by no means like have major experience like as like a improviser, like a jazz musician where I'm just improvising stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. my goal now. Like that's my. It's my eight-year goal. Yeah. By the time I'm 50, I want to become 42 now. By the time I'm 50, I'd like to be able to say, I could improvise jazz. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'd i like to. That's like my next like life goal is to be a jazz musician by the time I'm 50. That's cool. Yeah. I was I was at, uh, <laughs> I was telling somebody recently that I was down, I was in Florida over the summer and I told a buddy of mine, he's like, why, you know, he's like, what's the, what, what you doing with the piano? Like, what's the reason? I was like, I've always wanted to play and uh, I figure I can be a jazz musician by the time I'm 50. And he started laughing at me and I was like, I was like, look, I was like, I'm not saying I'm going to be winning Grammys. Yeah. But I went on this thing in Florida called like the Jungle Cruise or the Jungle Queen. And it's basically like this boat that takes you to the canals of Fort Lauderdale. And then you stop at this place where everybody has dinner and then you take a boat back. But the place where you stop at dinner has a musician playing there and it's a guy on keyboard and a woman singing. And if that level of quality can perform for this group eight years i could be that good yeah. definitely he was playing very simple chords and yeah. she was singing simple things i was like i don't need to win a grammy or anything. all i need to do is be able to get up in front of people and play yeah and that would that would feel like success yeah um but and and also being that i've done improv for so long i want to know what it's like like when a jazz musician says we're improvising 
there's got to be so much overlap. And I'm just like hungry to find out what does that mean? Does yes and work the same way? Does um, like, how does listening and improv, which really means paying attention, but in music, there is so much listening, but am I also paying attention to the way you move your body? If I'm playing with you, like I want to know what it feels like to, to take improv out of comedy and to do it in, in music. That is very, yeah, that is very interesting. Now I want to know about that too, because I imagine, yeah, there's there's got to be some overlap and and or some things that are different too. Um, I imagine like listening for certain moves, maybe like you, there's certain moves in in music where, like if you're if you're playing, it's almost like noticing a game that someone. I was like, oh, he's playing this game, yeah. like an improv. Like, uh-huh. okay, now he's doing this game, and so I have to come back with this. Right, I'm sure there's that in a jazz where it's like, oh, he's doing this thing, so like I recognize that, and so I've got to do this thing to yeah, it's to like a call, like a call and response or something. Yeah. Like I play this, then you come back. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I still got. I, I need a new. I need a new teacher. My teacher moved to L.A., mm. so I've been like without teacher for a few months, and it's been tough because I. I've, I've trying to self teach a little bit, but it's so difficult. You say you played as a kid? Very little. Yeah. I, I played, I took lessons for about two years, but my piano teacher when I was a kid was very like, this is the book we're working on. This is the song you're working on. Very simple kid stuff. My, my son's now using that same book and like I would play a song. It'd be so good. If it wasn't good enough, he'd make me keep practicing until next week. I'd show him again, practice the next week. It was never really what I wanted to play. It never really um, was exciting, you know. Uh, when I would finally learn a song, I would want to play it as fast as I could. I would want to try to like, like, make it more jazzy or play like within the within the the notes. But then I started taking lessons as an adult, and my teacher was like, "I'm going to teach you the way you need to learn, and show me what you know." And then tell me what you want to know, and I'll try to figure out how to get you there. And I would come in, and I'd be like, I, I want to play this. This is Bach. She'd be like, great. That's interesting. Let's try some Bach. And she would be do that. And then she's like, I think you need to try some Clementi because he does this thing with trills, and we haven't learned that yet. And so she would bring that in. And then finally it got to the point where she was like, bring in anything. Bring in jazz. Bring in. So I brought in some Mozart and and just because that was the stuff that was interesting. And when you're excited about something, it's that much easier to learn. And so now I could play a few pieces and it's like, I've convinced myself that I'm capable of it. Mm-hmm. But then when she moved, it was like, like, I don't know where to go next. Should I be working on my scales more? Should I be working on my repertoire more? Should I add a new song? I don't play the song great yet. Should I play a new song? And that there's so much in having a real good mentor to bounce things off of. Yeah. Did you take lessons or were you self-taught or how'd you, how'd you learn? With the guitar? guitar? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 um, I self-taught, I, bought, I bought a book and so the first, the way I learned is just going through this book and teaching myself on, mm-hmm. on an acoustic guitar. And then I had a buddy who also played and he was like, he had played for a couple of years. And so he would sort of teach me how to play like certain riffs. And so combined with the book and my buddy, I just kind of taught myself and, um, yeah, and then I, I, I guess I sort of plateaued as far as like learning. Like I don't even know scales on the guitar. Like, mm. tr- like I, I just taught myself like very simple things, and then jump right into playing songs that I liked, That's and great. then just got better at playing the guitar and playing mm-hmm. songs and singing. So, so improv. You get to improv, and uh, it's one of those things that you put on your list of, of to dos, and you do it. And what year was that in IO in LA? That was, um, let me see, probably around two thousand fifteen. Oh, okay, yeah. And that was so. That was the first dip in with improv. Mm-hmm. Did you do IO's full program? Yes. Nice. Yep. Graduated from there. Cool. Cool. Uh, what'd you like about it? I uh, well, I like the community aspect of quarter. Like, it's just like, yeah, this is a very welcoming community and very nice community. That's kind of everyone's really cool and welcoming and weird in their own little way. Um, and then I liked the how layered and deep the craft was like there's so many schools of thought and so many theories and so much like of just like i mean a lot of rules and then there's a lot of like fuck the rules and then just so many it, it's its own little art form that's that have that has so much to it and people have so many thoughts on it which means it's something here um and so i had seen improv so that's a thing of like i love Whenever I laugh at an improv show, it's like 
I've never laughed harder than at an improv show. And I love stand-up. I've always loved stand-up. And I love sketch comedy. And I love, like, love just you know, comedy film. Um, but there's something magical about improv because it's made up and it's happening for this one moment in time. And it's something that has to be experienced alive. And so there's all, there's so much to it watching it where it's like, I just want to be part of that. Like, yeah. I want to like do that. I want to create this magic on stage and create this fun environment. And, uh, and yeah, so that's what I'm, I guess just constantly chasing is just like, I want to be in this zone. I want to make this magic happen and just have like a great show and just have it be fun and, and this adrenaline rush. And oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, you, you're one of these unique people that, goes you did the all the full level at at fci too right yes yeah you're you're one of these unique people that goes through like the full fci level that i never taught oh, <laughs> and yeah. it's weird to me because i've i like i teach uh i've taught all the levels and I, they bounce me around but it's strange like i feel like it's weird when somebody gets through the whole program and our paths never really cross yeah um which is why i'm happy that you're technically my first guest on the podcast oh, which yeah. is awesome yeah. um I know that you are on a few teams, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about them. Yeah, so I'm on uh, Terra Squad, which is the team that was formed from our classes. Okay. So there is um, pretty uh, this group of like five or six or so of us that like took all the levels together. We kind of mm-hmm. stuck together and like we kind of bonded in level one. That's great. And um, it was great. Yeah, yeah. And And we've just hung out ever since and you know we talk like almost every day on facebook messenger so we have this thread going and and yeah so i um you know i i knew that this was this close friend group that i've made in in san diego and and um which is also good because yeah i moved to san diego i didn't know anybody um and so i knew i wanted to to form a, a group with them and so I, I kind of got that going being this the the person who's like kind of done it before a little a little bit so i was like took charge and creating the group and um and so yeah so we're still performing we've had a couple of members who weren't original uh, originally there and and still kind of finding our yeah kind of finding our trying to find our stride and our our uh, our form and stuff cool. and then i started brown privilege um uh, oh, that was your baby yeah nice yeah i um I just kind of had this idea of like, yeah, I'd like to have a team of just all uh, people of color, um, just because, yeah, I, I think um, it's San Diego. The FCI is very diverse. It's like it's super diverse, and and IO was a little bit diverse. Uh, I think the FCI is more diverse than IO, at least when I was there. Um, but you know, I think improv has this reputation of like being like white dude in a flannel shirt, sure, and. Um, and nothing wrong with that, but like I was just like, okay, well, FCI has this diversity, which is really cool. And it's like, um, I haven't seen a lot of teams where it's just people of color. So I was like, I don't know, I, I don't know why I wanted to do it. Like I was just like, I don't know, it'll just be different. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't like I didn't feel like it was anything lacking, or like it wasn't kind of a choice, like or a thing of like, well, this is lacking, and I want to make it right. Or it was just like, I just think it'll be fun to, sure. have, to just have a- another team. So yeah, I, I asked, uh, I talked to Brandon Hensgens about it, and he was like, "Yeah, I've been wanting to do the same thing." And so we kind of started it, and now it's like Brandon, myself, Julius, and Jen um, Abundes, uh were kind of like the core members, and then we just like the idea was like we'll just have like two different people, like every show that we do, we'll just have two different people of uh, you know to kind of guess with us, and oh, like just, so we just we have basically have like a giant rotating cast. That's great. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And then um, I'm on this other team called We Don't Want Not We Don't Not Want No Scrubs. Yes, <laughs> that was uh, Jay Ray who moved to DC. But um, you know Jay Ray, tall, yes. bald. Okay, yeah. Um, he started this as the uh, cage match team, and he asked me to be part of it. I was like, yeah, sure. So it was the first time I had performed with a lot of those people on the team, and so we we did the cage match, um, and it it was not how it is now is like a tournament style. And like, we made it to the finals against a uh, mid Atlantic team, uh, which was good. They were all super talented and they ended up winning, but uh, we decided to stick around and cool. keep playing. And yeah, I have a lot of fun with that team. And then, um, and then lastly, I created a duo with Audrey Geiger. Sure. Um, 
and just because I wanted to do it, that, that that's like the one thing I hadn't done yet as a duo. Mm-hmm. And as I'm sure you know, it's 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 its own beast. It's oh, the, I love them. Yeah, yeah, I I am I'm they're new to me, and so it's like I don't know I feel a, a lot more pressure because it's just two of us. But I'm enjoying it so far. Do you we, have a coach? Cat uh, was our first person to like. We were like, we want you to coach us, and then she moved. So yeah. so we're sort of um, just in between coaches and looking. Uh, but we've had like. We have had two shows, and we I think we have another one coming up. But um, but uh, yeah, it's it's fun doing something more challenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to check you out. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Um, I I I kick myself because I always having a family makes it tough. But I would have loved to see more shows. Yeah. It's just it's it's hard. Um, no, that's great. Audrey's a killer. She yeah. was in my clown class, and and uh, she's she's really fantastic. I still there's only you know improv. It's like you see so much of it, and your brain only like holds on to so so much. Like there's so many. Like maybe you have ten scenes in your life that really stick out, right? Um, auditions. There's only a few auditions that stick out, and I still remember the move she made in her audition mm-hmm. where um, she she did this thing where she got into this real she got down like she squatted and got into this real weird physicality yeah and her scene partner said something like like she like she said something like what's wrong with the dog referring to audrey as though audrey was the dog because she was down on all fours she was like down in this weird position and audrey said something along the lines of like i don't know she looks fine to me And I was like, oh, yes, how brilliant to, to, yeah. to, in the first line, to take the audience's expectation that you're the dog and shift it, that no, you're just a weird character in yeah. this physicality. That, I love when that happens. I love when something is set up and then quickly changed and like you realize, oh, wow, I've been watching something different this whole time. And, yeah. And I thought, ah, she's, she's got some chops, this kid. And yeah. she's, she's really good. Yeah. And her clowning is good too. Cause like, she's just, she does that leaning into the physicality and into the emotion so well. So mm-hmm. yeah, I really want to see you guys. Like, I'm, I'm excited about that. And yeah. it's, it takes time. Duos take a little bit of time to like, like find your, your, your stride. And, and Lauren and I, same thing. It took us a f- some time. I, we did a show last night and I was just telling her that uh, I want to go back and like watch all of, cause I record everything and I want to watch, go back and watch our old shows to mm-hmm. see like how much we've grown in the, in those three years of working together. Yeah. Um, but I've done, I've done a few duos and yeah, yeah they are, they, they're a beast in the beginning, but they will teach you more than I think almost anything in improv will. Because, I imagine. Yeah. And solo, if you ever do a solo improv show, one time I've told the story before, I won't go too deep into it, but uh, one time my old partner, Matt, uh, he had moved back to North Carolina, but he, he and I had a show together and I thought he was coming late and was going to come from the audience. And I came from backstage they're like, bye, Coastal. The lights go up and come out. Yay. It's like, where's Matt Harris? Is he in the audience? Is he backstage? Is he there? He forgot. He didn't, he like didn't calendar it or something. And yeah. so, and so I just did a, I did a, like a, I think I did like a, a 20 minute Harold by myself. Wow. And I cut out the group games and I just did like three beats followed by three beats followed by three beats. And I always wanted to do something like that, but I never did. Like sometimes you have to find yourself in that position to be like, like shit, I'm here now. So execute, do it, right? Uh, but I learned so much from that one night. Even if I didn't do a great set, it was like I got through it by myself. And if mm-hmm. I can get through it by myself, and like that's the thing with two prov, it's like you're really responsible for everything. There's mm-hmm. no sitting, there's no standing on the lines and thinking about another beat. Yeah. You're there the yeah. whole time, always mm-hmm. responsible. And when you feel that, like there's something about pressure that molds, you know, it molds you into something new and, yeah. it, and it really makes like, and it makes you feel like when you get to the end, like if I could handle that, then I can handle so much more and like, just keep it up. Do do a work is really, it really pays off. I think. Yeah. That's great. So you've done two shows so far. Yeah. Do you have like a, a set form or anything? Uh, we, we've kind of sketched one out and it's, and again, like we're, we're so early on and in, into our, our team that we're sort of like, it's still a, I, I don't know if it's set in stone, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, we, um, we've done two shows. We, we do what we have now. I think is like, we have this weird organic thing at the beginning where we're like, we trade off doing organic physical and weird noises. Um, that always gets a weird reaction or always twice has gotten like weird reaction <laughs> from the crowd, but they kind of like, like it, but it's weird. Mm-hmm. And then we go into like a five minute grounded scene. Um, and then do like two shorter scenes 
And I think we just kind of rinse and repeat, mm-hmm. like a longer scene and then shorter ones that may, maybe start to connect toward the end. Um, but yeah, we're, we're still finding our, our form. I would suggest recording them. Yeah, yeah. I, I would strongly suggest recording them. And then um, like when you guys get together to rehearse or anything, watch it together. Yeah. It's really powerful to watch together because you're going to see things through the part of your brain that is the director. Like if you were watching, if you were coaching another team, let's say, you're looking at it th- more through the director's eye than the actor's eye or the writer's eye. And you don't really get that opportunity when you're playing. You're still, when you're playing, you're still using the director, the writer, and the actor. But I feel like you're much more locked into the actor. Mm-hmm. When you get to watch it again, you get to slip more into the director and like the writer who doesn't get a chance to edit, but still gets to re- do the first, like review the first draft. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you'll get a lot out of that. And doing it together is great too, because you get to debrief together. You get to talk about it and yeah. figure out like, oh, I, I love what you did there. And you know, if I had gone over to that side of the stage first, that, that might've made more sense. Yeah. Um, another thing that Lauren and I did that I can throw out there for you that's really helpful is at the end of shows, what I like to do now, any show that I do, I like to go back and review the show and see where are the connections that I didn't see during the show? So like last night in a show, Lauren and I did this set where one of the scenes, a guy had accidentally killed his boss. In a different scene, a janitor out of college tied up all of the uh, faculty so he could teach a class. When the show was over, we went back and thought about it. And we're like, oh, you know what? The guy that accidentally killed his boss he is somehow connected. The boss worked at the college and was part of the people that were tied up, but we didn't get to explore that part. So the more you try to figure out how these other dots were connected, even if you didn't connect them in the show, in that post-mortem, it starts to make your brain think about more and more connections. And, And then you find later on, you're in a scene, you're in a show, and you start to see those connections in the show before the debrief later on. And towards the end of the show, you just drawing all these connections now so that's really helpful especially with two because when you're in a team of like eight people those connections come up more because there's more brains working on the 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 topic Mm -hmm. but when there's only two you only got two brains working a lot more it's more opportunity for things to be missed but that debrief at the end when you watch it together it's so powerful because it's now like you're watching it with more scene partners that were just in your head at the time they weren't on the stage with you so yeah, I would suggest recording them, okay. even if even if you just do like on an iPhone or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. All right. So one more question for you: How does improv affect your life off stage? Hmm. I don't know. Well, it affects it more ways than one. In one sense. And in a non-improv-y way, I just have to navigate my relationship with my girlfriend and improv and kind of juggling those things. Yeah. Because there's lots of time spent, you know, away where I'm practicing and or hanging with improv friends or just having these conversations with like, yeah, I I talk to my team every day. And so there's, that's been a thing of like, oh, I'm having to navigate just juggling the time between the two. And, you know, it's, it's not so easy. Um, um, so that's, that's one thing, but yeah. like, as far as improv directly affecting my life, um, I mean, I, I, I think I'm definitely, uh, more open to change and, and I, I don't know if like, I've always been that way and that's why I'm sort of drawn to improv or improv is like kind of feeding into that or making me more, but like, you know, I am like I'll cha- I'll like I'm not afraid to make big decisions. Like I, I I do research everything, but like or but like I'm okay with pulling the trigger on stuff. Yeah. And like um and I'm I'm also okay with just kind of going with the flow. Mm-hmm. Like um I'm kind of a like at work recently I had a review and my boss was like, You're always kinda of just cool. Like you, you like you never get really too hot or cold or you're just kinda of like nothing really rattle, rattles you. And I think that that's to do with improv too of just like um whether it's just like being on stage and like, this is a heightened situation, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's lots of stuff going on. Um, and you're performing in front of people and it's just like, I don't know, you, you, you kind of learn to calm yourself and just kind of be calm in the chaos mm-hmm. and, and, um, make decisions because you have to, you're constantly having to make decisions in improv. Um, 
again, I, I don't know what's which uh, the chicken or the egg. If I was always that way, and that's why I was drawn to improv, or improv has really made me that way. But I think that's at least one way. Um, I like to see myself as one being able to make decisions pretty easily. Um, to just say, just you say yes. Like I'm not like wishy washy. I'm just yeah. like I'm. Let's just go. Let's, let's pick a lane and go. Um, and two, just like yeah, I, I don't get I don't get razzled and at work or in, in, anywhere really because like, not that being on stage at an improv theater is like you know going to war in Iraq or something, <laughs> but like it is like a heightened sense, yeah. a heightened state, and like it, some people can get flustered, and some people that's like that's like their nightmare, and it's just like for yeah. me, it's just like yeah, it, it takes a lot to be let's let's give ourselves credit. It takes a lot to get on stage and make something up it for twenty five minutes in front yeah. of people. I agree, and once you do that, it's like okay, like. Your, your day-to-day stuff isn't really that that hard. Yeah. Beautiful. Let's end on that. Thank you. All right, we've man. Gi- we've given our listeners about three hours of yes. quality pod to yes, listen to. Yes, we have. Here. Thank you for coming here. Thank you for having me on yours. Thank mm-hmm. you for doing this with me. Of course. And let's do it again. Let's, yes, sir. All I'm right. excited.